Love Sunday night church. Love coming in here and being with a few and talking about a lot. But I'm going to go around the room tonight, and I'm going to start right over here, and we're going to work this section, and we're going to work this section, and we're going to work this section. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question. You're like, oh, man, he's putting me on the spot. That's a simple question. What was your first car? Now, if you didn't never had your first car, yeah, we understand. But most of our, our young people are over in Young Life tonight. So uh, what was your first car, and who taught you how to drive? Huh? 2002 Honda Civic. Who taught you how to drive? Your mom and dad. She's a crazy driver. Hey, I got that in common with you. <laughs> what was your first car? 92 Ford Ranger. Who taught you how to drive? Your brother. Amen. Miss Biggie? Mr. Green and Driver's Ed, 67 months. Now, you thought you was something, too. You probably walked with a swag. Uh, he was cool. Amen. Miss Ona? 72 Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and your sister remembers it all too well. It's a standard. Who taught you how to drive? Your stepdad tried to. You almost ran him over. <laughs> we got that common story, too. Tony, what was your first car, and who taught you how to drive? Thunder Chicken. I remember them Thunder Chicken. Josh? You can tell who's younger and who's older in the house now, huh? <laughs> Both your parents. Ms. Nixon? A 71 Mercury Comet. Who taught you how to drive? Your dad? Mary? Reverse. So you drove backwards, and that's how you wound up with Mike, right? <laughs> hey, your brother taught you how to drive. Amen. Ms. Biggs? Amen. More oil than gas. <laughs> Tammy, Spectrum, <laughs> Danny, Ford Falcon, oh, you stole it, didn't you, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Reminds me when I sold Carl his first motorcycle, that blue sugar out there. I said, boy, you know how to drive a motorcycle? I said, yeah, I do. I said, would you have a motorcycle at? Well, I stole one, and I drove it all over the place. <laughs> <coughs> Young lady, you don't count yet, so we're just going to skip over you. Miss Beverly? Ford Futura. Your daddy taught you how. Harry? Sky Chief. Amen. Fred? Amen. Who taught you how to drive it? Brother Tommy. PJ? Your father taught you how to drive it. Donnie? 
Amen. Tammy? Ha! I bet you thought you were cool. Amen. Cherry? James? <laughs> Them things with some 22s on go for some big money at the auction nowadays. <laughs> Amen. Nolan? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Miss Buckaloo. Nineteen sixty two Ford. Galaxy five hundred. Amen. Amen. Sister. <laughs> Sister, you don't remember? <laughs> Amen. Dave Ramey? Amen. Who taught you how to drive it? Amen. Carl? <laughs> Who taught you how to drive it? Amen. Dr. Dave? Woo! Amen. Young lady? She don't drive yet? Mama? <laughs> Amen. Sister? Yellow Pinto. <laughs> Amen. Ms. Oni? <laughs> who, who taught you how to drive? Touch ain't learned. She says, I'm still learning. Stacy? Amen. Ms. Audrey? 77 Fiat. Brother Vic? 64 what? Apache 10. Miss Gail? (laughs) 
Joe. Amen. 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 See? 1968 Chevy Nova. Woo! Who taught you how to drive it? Amen. Sister? <laughs> Amen. Mary's first car was a Ford LTD. And they cruised like they were somebody in that thing. Dean, 64 Ford Falcon. Amen. Dale, amen. Who taught you how to drive it? Who taught yourself? I'm a self-taught guy myself. Yes, Roro. <laughs> but it was better than walking, huh? Amen. Jimmy? Amen. Heather? Driver's Ed. Amen. James? Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. My first car was a, uh, I'm echoing a little bit, Brother Mike. My first car was a, a, my neighbor had it about four houses down. And, man, I wanted a car so bad. And he had parked it, and he was only asking $500. And I mowed grass. I mowed a trailer park. There was a big trailer park. And the guy gave me $300 to mow it and weed eat it. And I mowed yards the rest of the week, and I raised $500. And I bought me a Pontiac Fiero. Does anybody remember them Pontiac Fieros? I think that went with Miami Vice. <laughs> yes, amen. Mike, what was your first car? Uh, it's actually a truck. My granddad, Lightfoot, taught me to drive in a 76 C10 truck, and it was actually a three on a tree. Amen. And my first vehicle was a 71 International Scout, and if you didn't park it on a hill, you never got it started. <laughs> Amen. Well, that was fun tonight. Amen. You know, I, I was thinking about it, you know, uh, how when we were taught to drive and our grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads and cousins and aunts and uncles and some of us self-taught people, we were taught to drive a car. First thing they do is say, make sure it's in park. Make sure it's in park. They show you where to put the key. Y'all remember them showing you where to put the key? If you were really, you know, ignorant to this stuff, you know, you're really ignorant to this stuff. You don't know anything. What's the P for? What's the D for? What's the R for? You're really ignorant to this stuff. And you don't know where the key goes. Because when you're a little kid, you're not paying attention to nothing. All you want to do is go to the roller rink. You want to go hang out with your friends. You want to get to the game. You want to go to football. You want to go see your girlfriend or your boyfriend. So you're really ignorant to how a car really operates. 
So when somebody shows you and they teach you, you know, they say, hey, the key goes in here. So you get that in your muscle memory. And they say, make sure it's in park. And you get that in your muscle memory. Put it in drive. Now, don't go to one and two. You got to keep it in drive. Now, you're down a little further. Put it back up in drive. And they kind of put this in your muscle memory. And you begin to realize, you begin to realize there's a way to operate this car. Who started driving a car with two feet? I had automatic, but I still drove with two feet. Uh, you know, and, and someone told me, man, you only drive with one foot, man. You use that same foot for the brake and gas because we come to hard stops. <laughs> I thought if I mashed on it, and then sometimes you, you, you lose it in your mind, you'd mash on them both at the same time. You, but that was for fun, though. But anyway, uh, so I, I was thinking about it tonight. I, I was thinking about how someone had to teach us, somebody had to show us, we had to learn, and it became muscle memory. When overcoming opposition in our lives, it needs to become muscle memory what to do. That way, when we are, we are, we are on our journey, when we're on our journey and we're doing what God's called us to do, when opposition comes, it needs to come to muscle memory. What do we do and how do we react and what do we, what do we normally do and what's the routine to get in? What's the thought that needs to come in mind? Because this is important, folks, especially for those who are salty, those who are following God, those who are Christians. We need to be different than the world because the world's acting one way and if we're acting the same way as them, how are they going to tell us apart? We're like in that sheep and goat pen. And I was thinking about it. When it comes to how to handle opposition, it needs to become muscle memory, like driving a car. I drove a lot of cars. I'm in the car business. I buy some for fun. I buy some to sell. If it looks cool and I never drove it, I just want to drive. I want to buy it just so I can drive it. I want to know how it operates. I love cars. I don't know how to work on them. I take them to Mike. I take them to other folks. I, I, I don't know how to work on them, but I love cars. I love, I, I love small cars, big cars. I love big vans. I love trucks. I, I, I just, uh, Harry got a new truck the other day. I, I just love vehicles, I, 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 and, and they fascinate me, and, and I respect them. I respect them. Why? Because I don't like to walk. Should have brought the young people in to hear that. Because when I was a kid, I didn't respect them, and they'd break down, or I'd break them, or I'd try to do this and burn my tires off, and then had to, didn't have no money to buy them. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but but you know, I, I've learned that 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 I just love automobiles, and I love classic cars and rat rods and motorcycles, anything that has to do with engineering. I I just love it, and so I've learned to drive a lot of vehicles in my time and how they operate, and it's just muscle memory when I get in them and. Uh, so I, I think when we're overcoming opposition, it needs to become muscle memory to us. And first thing you can learn is to be wise to the enemy's attacks. He's going to attack you. He's going to attack you. You need to have that in your mind tonight. You need to be wise. He's going to attack you. Anytime we're doing something great for God, anytime we're up out of these blue chairs, we're shaking hands, kissing babies, wrapping hot dogs, uh, opening gates, preaching messages, we're going to get attacked. Anytime we're feeding the homeless, anytime that we're out here and we're trying to make a difference, anytime you get your family together and you get them all dressed up, you head to church and you, and you want to worship God, you're going to get an attack. 
And no one, no one is immune from that. No one is exempt from that. So you need to be wise to that tonight. If you're going to make it, it needs to come in your mind. Okay, Renee, I got it right here. You're, you're, okay, this is just an attack from the enemy. I'm working on my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm trying to be a better man. I'm trying to be a woman. I'm a better woman. I'm trying to be a better, a better servant. I'm trying to follow God. I'm going to get attacked. It's going to happen. You're going to get a trial. Something's going to come your way. So you need to wise up. Fools fall apart. Mm, you can write that down, put it on Facebook. But the wise, the ones who have it in their memory that God brought them through this storm, he's going to bring them through another storm. God's got them out of this situation, protected them. God's going to protect them again. Number one, in overcoming opposition, building your memory like driving a car, knowing what you're doing, you've got to know that, that, that you need to be wise because the enemy comes and he's going to attack you. Nehemiah 2.18 says this. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, good, let's rebuild the wall. So they began to, to go to work. But when Sandoval, Tobias, and Geshem, the Arabs heard of our plan, they scoffed continuously. What, about, what, what are you doing rebelling against the kings like this, they asked. But I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no stake of claim in Jerusalem. They started their journey of rebuilding the walls. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, all, the, all the opposition started coming to them. You got to know it's coming, folks. You got to know. Every time we do something big around here, Brother Vic will tell me, get ready. You're not going to be immune for it. You're not going to be exempt from it. How many have been attacked since they've been walking with Jesus Christ? Danny called me the other day. Brother Danny called me and, and, or texted me and said, hey, pray for me, brother. I didn't have time to really call him back at that time. I just sent him, I'm praying. About a day later, I said, what's going on? He said, oh, there's this guy at work. He's just giving me a hard time. I said, well, how's it going? He says, it's getting better. Has it gotten any better, Danny? But he knew that he needed the Lord, and he knew that he needed prayer. He knew that the attack was coming because now he's our care pastor. Now he's started another Friday night ministry. All these things are happening to him because of who he stands for and who he stands with. He didn't back up. He didn't run. Second thing you need to understand, and this needs to become muscle memory for you like driving a car putting the key in putting it in drive going forward put it in reverse go backwards it needs to become muscle memory when you're getting attacked you need to remember that you need to be a strong and courageous soldier hear me tonight god never called us to run god never told us to run he told us to put on the full armor of god and stand he said, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against these trials that are coming against you. So number two, listen, 
Well, you, you need to understand that you are a strong and courageous soldier. Touch somebody and say, you are a strong and courageous soldier. Okay, thank you. Be a strong and courageous, courageous soldier. No matter what's coming against you, no matter what's happening to you, we need to wise up. We need to wise up and we need to, 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 to just find strength that we never had before. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how many people have a pity party the first trial, the second trial, the third trial, the fourth trial. The fifth trial, you're back in the bottle. You're back to the drugs. You're back to your old ways. You snap. You snap and you and you react. And you don't even think about you don't even think about, you know, what 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 what, what were you called to be? I was called to be a strong and courageous soldier. There's some strong people in this church. And there's some weak people in this church. God said it should become like muscle memory. It should become, okay, I must be strong now. I need to be strong. There's a time to be strong, and this is the time I need to be strong. As a father, as a husband, our families are dependent on us to be strong and courageous. As other Christians are watching us, they're, 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 they're wanting us to be strong and courageous. Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, sharing this suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus to please the recruiter. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of everyday life. Don't get entangled with the concerns of everyday life. If you do, you will see the enemy coming. We can trust God with our everyday concerns, and we can go about doing what he's called us to do because we are strong and courageous. Fear can paralyze you. It can knock the wind out of your sail. It can stop you from what God wants you to accomplish. I've learned to put fear aside. Let's think about our military for a minute. When they're dropped off on the beaches, they land in the foreign country. They open the doors and they let them out. There's no backing up from that moment. It's all go forward. Sometimes fear won't allow you to go forward. Sometimes somebody gets some bad news and they just die right there. Listen to me, you are a strong and courageous soldier. You need to find that in you tonight. That needs to become, number one, you're going to get attacked. Number two, when opposition comes, you need to, you need to know that it's coming and you need to know that you're a soldier. Grab your sword. Trust in your Lord and Savior. It ought to become natural. It ought to become natural. Like driving a car, it ought to become natural. I was thinking about it. Some of this stuff, man, we don't know. We got to learn. When the enemy comes, he's always mocking you. Nehemiah, hear, O God. We are despised. Turn their tents. They, they were yelling at them. They were hollering at them. 
The enemy is always going to come, and he's always going to bring up your past. He's always going to mock you. How many have ever, ever, ever been on a ministry in this church, and the enemy tries to tell you you're not doing a very good job on your ministry? <laughs> well, you're not doing a good job. You might as well just quit that in that ministry. You're working in the nursery. You're not a very good nursery worker. You're working on stage. You're singing. You're not a very good person. Why? 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 Why am I? Why, why are you up there? He does that stuff to you. He does that to Mary. He does it to me. He'll do it to Mary and me. He'll do it to you. I'm not equipped. You're not equipped to be up there. But God don't call the equipped. He equips the ones he calls. He's going to mock you. He's going to say things. He's going to do it on your job. He's going to do it in your home. He's going to do it. you got to understand, listen, that, that Nehemiah heard, heard of the enemy, but he didn't listen to the enemy. We're going to hear him, folks, but we don't need to listen to him because we know that God has a plan for us. And if we'll stay focused on that, if we'll learn that tonight, this is what we need to learn and this is what we need to do when we face our fears, when we become aware of our position, all we need to do is turn over those thoughts and those things that he's saying to us, to God, and know the truth. I've also learned this, like driving a car. He comes in many forms. The enemy comes in many forms. Somebody hear me tonight? I heard a long time ago that the devil gets to church before before you do. He's usually setting out a monks there. The devil comes in many forms. I was watching this lady. She was doing it. Kelly put one thing out there today. But the other day, uh, I was watching this lady, and she went on a six-mile run, three miles up a hill and three miles back. It, it was a great video. And, and, and she got up there, and she said, I think I can make it. I haven't never done six miles before. But I'm going to go three up there and three back. That'll be six. She got all the way up there to the top of the mountain. It was a tall steep. And, and, and in her video, she was just crying and she was bawling. And she made it all the way up to the top. And she was just enjoying her accomplishment. And then she realized there's three more miles back down. Well, on the way back down, she became tired and she became weary. About a mile and a half down, she realized she still got a mile and a half to go, and it's getting dark, and she's tired, she's thirsty, and she ran out of water on the way up. She ran out of water on the way up. Well, coming back down, she noticed a house out there, and there was a little man sitting outside in the house, and he said, sweetheart, come here. He said, are you thirsty? She said, yeah, I'm thirsty. She said, my house has the coldest water on the planet. He filled up her thermos, her jug. She drank as much as she want, and she went on her way. She said, God had sent that man to me. He was an angel. He knew that I was thirsty. He knew that I was tired. He knew that I wasn't going to make it. But God sent that angel to me. The devil's sending people to you, too. You need to understand that tonight. I said something the other day. Make sure everybody in your boat is rowing and not drilling holes. Because not everybody's for you. The devil comes in all kinds of forms. 
you're on your way to work, you want to stop at the donut shop, you want to run in and get you some kolaches in the donut, just talking about me, that's what I do. And I, I need to go by the salad bar probably, but I stopped by the donut place, I get me a kolache the other day, and, and man, I'm in a good mood, I'm in a great mood, and I'm holding the door open, and I walk, out, and, and the guy's coming out with his two kids, and he's cussing them, and he says, watch out, man, and he's cussing his kids, and he's yelling at them, and man, I just got so offended, so mad, and I thought to myself, I'm going to say something to him, because he don't need to talk to, to, to those kids like that, but then I realized that was the devil. And he was trying to throw me off, trying to ruin my day. I realized if I said something at that time, I'm probably going to have a worse day than one of us is. So I had to shake that offense off. devil comes in many, many forms. He could be sitting out here tonight, ready to pounce on you, ready to devour you. That's what the Bible says he does. He's ready to pounce. He's ready to devour. He comes in many forms. And when he comes, like muscle memory, we don't need to walk in discouragement. Listen to me tonight. We cannot walk in discouragement. That gives the enemy a foothold. When you get down and depressed, Dave, when people get down and depressed, down and out, you walk in discouragement. He's winning. He's winning. I get Nolan depressed. I can get him I can get him depressed, I can get him down, I can get him depressed. Because, listen to me, he knows if he, he has the advantage on you, he has the advantage on you if he can get you discouraged. The enemy is always very angry. Uh, in the case of Nehemiah, they came back again and again and again, and they came back with more people, they came back with more discouragement, they came back with enemies trying to threaten them. If we become discouraged, the devil knows it, and he tries to capitalize on our progress. I want to say tonight, I'm not going to try to get discouraged anymore. I'm going to stay on the task at hand. If you see me discouraged or I see you discouraged, let's lift each other up. Let's, let's put our arms around one another. Let's pray together. Because discouragement, we had a brother quit the church the other day and he was just discouraged. And I didn't try to talk to him, try to talk to him, try to talk to him. But he was battling some personal stuff. I said, brother, hang on. Help's on the way. Well, you know, he just wanted to quit. Discouragement leads to quitting. God will always come through. He always has, always will. The work got done in Nehemiah's case. The work got done in Nehemiah's case because the word says if God started it, he'll finish it. He'll see it through. Same thing in your case and my case. God will see it through. So don't get discouraged and don't quit. As soon as you start feeling sorry for yourself, it brings other people down too. Misery loves company. I heard the other day that Someone was always griping. Someone was always complaining. Someone was always, 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 and 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 they were just struggling with that. They were they were on a ministry, and every time they're around, all they hear is negativity. Negativity breeds negativity. 
I pulled up over at that person's house, and I said, hey, let me talk to your sister. And they said, hey, what's up, Pastor Mark? Well, it seems like to me that something's really going on in your life, and I want to pray with you. What, what's the matter? It seems like every time you're around, you're just, just angry about life and stuff. She began to break down. She was having some personal problems with one of her kids. She said, can you tell, Pastor Mark? I think everybody around you could tell. She needed to hear that. Because you can get in that funk. You can get that cloud over you and you can stay there. Or somebody like me can come along and say, hey, babe, what's going on? Let's pray about it. Let me put my arms around you. I love you. When I left her house, her and her husband, they were just so happy. They were glad I stopped by. I stopped by on the cool because I'm cool. But I had an agenda to bring a smile to their face and joy to their heart. God has an agenda too for us, and it's to live a life happiness. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if all you do is complaining and griping and you're and discouraged about this and discouraged about your money and discouraged about this and always complaining, always griping, you're giving the enemy a foothold in your life. Stop doing it. Brings about hell. Hell in the home. Hell on the job. Brings about hell in your marriage and hell in your relationship. I'm trying to stay out of hell. That's English. Easy to understand. Hard to swallow. Guy called me the other day. said, Pastor Mark, can we, can we, can we, we just do a book on, on, on what you quote? Because we, we want to start getting cowboys around the world and their ideas and their thoughts because some of this stuff is genius. I said, I am a genius. I know this, man. I know this. But you want to bring about hell in your life? Complain all the time, Stacy. Find fault in your wife all the time. All the time. Find fault in your husband all the time. Find fault in your friends all the time. Find fault on your job all the time. We were picking on some folks the other day because they were complaining about this and complaining about that. Hold on, let me pray. Father, take that job from them. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I could feel them move away from my arm. And stop complaining. Be happy, find joy. It should be like driving a car. It should be taught. And it should be repetition. Robert Stokes said and paid me a compliment the other day. I'm not tooting my own horn. But I just felt good about myself. He said, you can't be around Pastor Mark too long and be miserable. I said, you don't know my wife then. She'll tell you a different story <laughs> sometime. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, she ain't here. Yeah, amen. I'll tell this story tonight. But it made me feel good that I've come that far. You ought to be feeling good tonight about how far you come. Don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. Go forward. Amen. Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for Sunday night church. We thank you, Father, that we can learn to encourage each other, to encourage ourselves, Father. Father, I, I ask in Jesus' name that our faith would arise, that we trust with you and uh, we'll trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. 
in all of our ways, Father, that we would acknowledge you and that you would direct our path. Can I say this to you? God's directing your path. You need to find some joy. God knows what you're going to be up against next week, and you're just about to start this week. He knows what the future holds. Trust him tonight. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on his understanding. We love you, dear Jesus. Thank you for our time together. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you tonight. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you all for being here. Please keep Brother Rayford in your prayers. He had a bad seizure yesterday. So please keep him in your prayers, guys.